Hey everybody, welcome to the First Pres Church Podcast. At the end of this episode, please take a moment to subscribe to this podcast channel or our YouTube channel for the latest Sunday messages. We're so glad that you're listening and we are praying that the following message inspires you to take your next steps towards Jesus. Hey church, how are we? Good to see you. We are in Psalm 51 today, Psalm 51, and I'll invite you to turn there while I ask this question. Have you ever blown it? In fact, if you want, you can turn to a neighbor and you can ask them. You can say, have you ever blown it? And if they're in your family, they might just kind of wink back at you. And, you know, kids, you can kind of look at your mom or your dad or whoever you're with and just kind of be like, I know, I know, because we've all blown it. We, we join <laughs> scripture that affirms every single one of us, for all have fallen short of the glory of God. We've all sinned. Now, uh, we're in Psalm 51, which if you didn't know until right now, Psalm 51 uh, is, is David's prayer of confession, his, his prayer response, his prayer psalm to God. And we know what it's about from the, the superscript. The superscript is the couple of lines uh, that are on some of the Psalms before verse one actually begins. And this one reads like this. It says, for the director of music, a Psalm of David, when the prophet Nathan came to him after David had committed adultery with Bathsheba. Oh, that Psalm, that's a superscript of all superscripts. That's, that's heavy stuff. We're talking about adultery. We're talking about murder. And now David has been confronted by the prophet Nathan, who God sent to David. Today, we learn that God is forgiver. God is forgiver. We're in the series on what David knew. What did David know about the coming Messiah? David lived about a thousand years before Jesus came to earth, the Messiah. And yet David seems to have had insider knowledge on what this Messiah was gonna be like. So week one, we learned that David knew that the Messiah would be a shepherd. And then the next week that the Messiah was creator, Lord of all. Two weeks ago that the Messiah is just, perfectly just, carrying out perfect justice on the earth. Last week, you'll recall that the Messiah is our guide. He's our guide. And today we learn David knew that God is a forgiving God. Let's pray and then let's read Psalm 51 in its entirety. Father God, we are a people who need your forgiveness for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God and, and to know that you, you did not leave us in our sin, but you came to us, you made a way. God, may that knowledge fill us with joy forevermore. Lord, be with us as we open your word. Speak into each heart what you would have them know about you, about your heart to forgive. In Jesus' name, amen. Psalm 51. 
Have mercy on me, O God. According to your unfailing love, according to your great compassion, blot out my transgressions. Wash away all my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. For I know my transgressions and my sin is always before me. Against you, you only have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight. So you are right in your verdict and you are justified when you judge. Surely I was sinful at birth, sinful from the time my mother conceived me. Yet you desired faithfulness even in the womb. You taught me wisdom in that secret place. Cleanse me with hyssop and I will be clean. Wash me and I will be whiter than snow. Let me hear joy and gladness. Let the bones you have crushed rejoice. Hide your face from my sins and blot out all my iniquity. Create in me a pure heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Do not cast me from your presence or take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and grant me a willing spirit to sustain me. Then I will teach transgressors your ways so that sinners will turn back to you. Deliver me from the guilt of bloodshed, O God, you who are God, my Savior, and my tongue will sing of your righteousness. Open my lips, Lord, and my mouth will declare your praise. You do not delight in sacrifice, or I would bring it. You do not take pleasure in burnt offerings. My sacrifice, O God, is a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart you, God, will not despise. May it please you to prosper Zion, to build up the walls of Jerusalem. Then you will delight in the sacrifices of the righteous, in burnt offerings offered whole, then bulls will be offered on your altar. Friends, this is the word of the Lord, and we're thankful for it. We're thankful, aren't we? Amen. David knew about the Lord. He loved the Lord. Not only did he know that God was there, he also knew that God was a relational God. He knew what it felt like to walk in a loving relationship with his creator. This is the same person, the same David who wrote Psalm 23. Uh, One of the images that Pastor Tim gave us last week was when King David welcomed the Ark of the Covenant back into Jerusalem. And if you remember that scene from scripture, the king of Israel is seen dancing wildly down the streets of Jerusalem, dancing because the Ark of the Lord was being returned to Israel. David loved the Lord. In fact, it even says that his outer garment started coming off. He was in holy abandon that his God's Ark was back in Jerusalem. He knew the Lord. He loved the Lord. And in Psalm 51, we find him coming out of the darkest season of his life that we are aware of when he has been caught in sin. David knew that he, like us, what we need to do to be right with God is to be holy, to be holy. Let me show you a text from another Psalm. Psalm 24, three and four. Who may ascend the mountain of the Lord? 
Who may stand in his holy place? The one who has clean hands and a pure heart, who does not trust in an idol or swear by a false god. It's easy to be near God, right? You just need clean hands. You need to swear by the name of the Lord only and in sincerity. You need to not lift up your soul to anyone other than your true God. And yet David knew, boy, if there was ever a time in his life that he knew, he knew it now. I don't have that. I don't have clean hands or a pure heart. And you and I can say, David, we don't either. We've, we've gone against each other. We've gone against the Lord. We, we haven't been kind to the other person when we should have been kind. We, we haven't done the right thing at the right time. We've fallen short. And yet Psalm 51 is about God in rescue. It's, it's a rescue space. Let me just read the first seven verses again because I want us to start to internalize what is going on in David's heart that he has come to know that God is on his side and God is a way maker. David says, have mercy on me, O God, according to your unfailing love, according to your great compassion, blot out all of my transgressions, wash away all my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. For I know my transgressions. My sin is is always right before me. But against you and you alone have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight. And so you are right in your verdict and justified when you judge. Surely I was sinful at birth, sinful from the time my mother conceived me. Yet you desired faithfulness even in the womb. You taught me wisdom in that secret place. Cleanse me with hyssop and I will be clean. Wash me and I will be whiter than snow. David knew that he had blown it big time. When we blow it, whether a little bit or a lot, functionally, one thing it does is the same. It destroys our access to that intimate relationship with God that we are meant to have. It's, it's as if we loaded up a dump truck full of dynamite, backed it into the middle of a bridge, lit the fuse and walked away. Our access with God destroyed. How do you repair that? That's a bridge that's it's not an ordinary bridge. It's, it's pavement, it's purity. It's towers are the very glory of the Lord. It's foundation is holiness and righteousness. We can try to cover up our sin or we can try to we can try to patch work our way back to God. That's called self-works righteousness and it never, ever works. It's like running around as an ant trying to build the San Francisco Bay Bridge with a pile of dirt and we think it'll work. Oh, we're so fickle. And yet God has made a way. God has made a way. David will not accept it at first. In fact, it's gonna take some time before, between the sin and the prophet Nathan coming to David, there's probably quite a bit of time because in this other Psalm that I think is probably talking about this time period, listen to how David describes his heart. This is Psalm 32. And in verse three, David says, when I kept silent, my bones wasted away. 
through my groaning all day long. For day and night, your hand was heavy upon me. My strength was sapped as in the heat of summer. If you've ever been in a season of life when you have, instead of receiving the grace of forgiveness of God in Christ, you try to patchwork it yourself or you try to cover it up, you realize your soul is getting heavier and heavier. And here's the, a little bit of irony. That heaviness could be God coming after you. That heaviness could be the merciful hand of God saying, I am going to bring you to a point that you know beyond a shadow of a doubt that I am your rescue God. In fact, when God sends Nathan, that's exactly what he's doing. There's not, there is no shame in the gospel. There's conviction in the gospel, but there's never shame. And so God says, David, I'm bringing Nathan to you. He's going to speak into your life. He's going to, in the, in the power of the Holy Spirit, conviction is going to come upon your heart, and then you're going to be free because the forgiveness of God is going to wash into your heart. God is a forgiving God, and we, his children, are a repentant people. God makes a way through Jesus Christ on the cross. Because God is in the business of the real thing, the strong thing. He doesn't want a cheap forgiveness. Because it's possible, right? That why can't God just say, I forgive you? Why, why does Jesus need to go to the cross? Because that would be cheap forgiveness. And two weeks ago when we said God is a God of justice. And a just God cannot forgive cheaply. A just God must forgive in strength and in full. And so when he repairs that bridge, it must be good material that's used. In fact, the same material that was destroyed, purity and righteousness and glory and holiness. And friends, isn't that exactly who Jesus is? So God comes to us in Christ and a way is made. God is a forgiver. Jesus did on the cross what we will never be able to do ourselves. And one reason Psalm 51 is actually a beloved song of so many is because of David's response toward the end in verse 16 and 17. David says, you could say, I've come to know. God, you do not delight in sacrifice or I would bring it. You do not take pleasure in burnt offerings. My sacrifice, O oh God, is a broken spirit. A broken and contrite heart, you, God, will not despise. One thing that's so amazing about this is he's still a thousand years before Christ. He's right in the middle of the sacrificial system. He just welcomed the Ark of the Covenant into Jerusalem. He's already purchased land to build the temple. He's probably looking out of his palace, Bathsheba this way. This way is the mount where the temple is to be built. He says, I will build the temple there. And there my people will bring their sacrifices to the Lord. That Location, by the way, that the temple would be built on is believed to be the same location where Abraham was instructed. Abraham, take your son Isaac up onto the hill. There is sin and it must be atoned for. So offer Isaac as a sacrifice. 
Abraham, known as the father of faith, leads his son in the most unthinkable way, raises the knife, and God says, wait. I never intended for you to do this. I am giving a sign to all people that a time is coming when I will do it, not you. I will do it, says the Lord. I will send my son. He will be on a cross. He will atone for your sins because he alone is full of purity and holiness and righteousness and love and goodness. Only he has the material that's needed, the attributes to bring the relationship back together. What does David do in response to knowing that the Lord, his God, is a forgiver? In verse 13, David says, Then I will, I will teach transgressors your ways, so that sinners will turn back to you. Deliver me from the guilt of bloodshed, O God, you who are God, my Savior, and my tongue will sing of your righteousness. Open my lips, Lord, and my mouth will declare your praise. David says he will teach, he will sing, he will declare that there is an everlasting God, that there is full payment for sin, there is strong forgiveness that doesn't compromise justice at the cross in Christ. Back in the superscript, there were three names. There was, there was Nathan, the prophet Nathan, who came to David, and then there was Bathsheba, and then there was David. And if we look at the three of them and how their relationship is working, we can actually learn quite a bit about kingdom forgiveness, how God wants us to walk out forgiveness in the here and now. Uh, Pastor Tim, in preparation for this series, handed me this book by Chuck Swindoll, David, a man of passion and destiny. And Chuck starts talking about the prophet Nathan. It's a big job, right? If the Lord taps you on the shoulder and says, I actually need you to go have a conversation with that brother or that sister because they have not received my forgiveness and their soul is becoming heavier and heavier. We find this from Chuck Swindoll. If God has called you to be his messenger, then do it skillfully and do it humbly. Do it right or don't do it. If God calls you to be a confronter, then confront. People still long for Yes, hunger for the message of God. When you encounter an individual who has willfully stepped onto the wrong path, face it with him. Call it what it is. Certainly at the right time and in the right way, but do it. Don't hedge. Don't try to redefine it. Don't explain it away. Call it sin. And in doing so, remember that you too have sinned. So stay full of humility compassion, but speak the truth in love. You see, culture says that everyone is on their own. And yet God says, circle up and walk in kingdom community. Turn to Bathsheba, who in the, in the text, which by the way is uh, 2 Samuel and, and sometime this week, I would implore you, go read 2 Samuel chapters 11 and 12. This is the story of what was going on in David's life and what led to him writing Psalm 51. Bathsheba is, is painted uh, in this story, in this narrative, as the victim. She is the recipient of evil. And you already know you are the recipient of evil if you live in the here and now. 
by God's grace, not in the same way as Bathsheba. She was physically violated. Her husband was killed. But you and I will be the recipients of wrongdoing because we're all fallen and we're all bumping up each other and we don't respond in the right way. And you're, if you're sitting with your family right now, you can just look beside you and you can say, what happened this week? What did we do to each other? Why did I react like that? But I hope and pray that Bathsheba did at least these four things throughout her life. First, I, I hope and pray that she didn't walk alone. I hope that she found someone near her to walk with her, to process what has happened to her, to discern the right steps in the power of the Holy Spirit. Second, I hope and pray that she trusted her God for the hope and for the strength that she would need to keep on living. Third, I hope and I pray that she was open to how God might work even in the midst of such an awful situation. You know, God is not, he's not in the business of canceling your pain. He's not a pain cancel God, but he is a pain redeem God. He is a, I will come up and stand beside you and with you God. If you go to the genealogy of Jesus in the Gospel of Matthew, we, we find something extraordinary. Matthew chapter one, look at what we find. This is the genealogy of Jesus, the Messiah, the son of David, the son of Abraham. And if we go on, David was the father of Solomon, whose mother had been Uriah's wife. That's an interest, that last clause is quite an interesting clause to add into Jesus' genealogy. Usually you don't mention anything about who the mother is. And the Holy Spirit says, Matthew, I need you to make sure you include this, that God himself in Jesus Christ came into the world through whose mother had been Uriah's wife, Bathsheba. I don't know if Bathsheba ever knew that. I know she knows now in glory I don't know what kind of pain you're carrying today. I don't know what kind of hope it might fill your heart with to know that God is with you in it, that he can stand beside you and that there might come a day when he might grow something incredible through the pain. What was God thinking, taking an adulterous situation and bringing about the Messiah? And God says, I am with the brokenhearted. I stand with them and I am for them. And fourth, and this must be the hardest, I hope and I pray that one day God gave Bathsheba the strength to forgive David. We're, we're called to forgive. We pray in the Lord's Prayer here almost every week, forgive us our debts as we forgive those who trespass us, who, who bring debts against us. Another way to say it is, forgive, forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. You see, we model ourselves after God. God is a forgiving God and therefore we forgive. Not in our own power, we can't do it on our own. We do it through his strength. I, I was dialoguing about this a little bit with Tim this week and he said, you know, there's a quote, unforgiveness is like drinking poison yourself and expecting the other person to die. So I said, excellent. And I Googled, who said such a fine quote? I'll put it up on the screen. Well, uh, Abraham Lincoln, um, Mother Teresa, 
Buddha. And you know, you know, it was one of those quotes where your Google search is not that helpful. And so if you know the proper citation, let me know. Unforgiveness, it's like drinking poison yourself and expecting the other person to die. One thing that God does when we forgive is he frees our hearts. It's something that he's, it's a gift that he's given us. Forgive the people and do it in the strength of the Lord. Culture says that when you've been wronged to let pride take root and to put yourself on top. God says, forgive, forgive. And then there's, and then there's David. He, he's a man of contrition. We don't use that word nearly enough. Contrition, and it's in Psalm 51. We remember in David that God opposes the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. Do you come before the Lord in kingdom humility? There's at least four things that David does. When we sin against someone else, when we sin most always against God, there's at least four things that we can do to walk out kingdom forgiveness well. Number one, we can take ownership. I blew it. We don't, we don't try to make excuses. We don't try to say like, well, I was tired. We take ownership. And a part of ownership is accepting the consequences. Consequences vary so dramatic. You know, it's like in one sense, sin is sin. But in another sense, it's like every sin has its own unique uh, fruit, if you will, of consequences. Own the sin own the consequences. First step to receiving the forgiveness of God. Number two, David's heart was truly repentant. There was no fluff. There was no, there was no dodge. And in fact, in 2 Samuel, it's fascinating. The Lord rebukes David through Nathan in 2 Samuel 12. And then in verse 13, David, this is his first response. He says, I have sinned against the Lord. No dodge. He says, I have done this. And number three, he was contrite. He was brokenhearted. He loved the Lord. Contrite means you love the Lord and you're brokenhearted about your sin. And so you throw yourself onto the mercy seat of Christ. And finally, and perhaps like the fourth for Bathsheba, this is the hardest. David accepted God's forgiveness. There can be such a thing of pride when we say, you know what, I've sinned, but I don't deserve God's forgiveness and therefore I'm not gonna receive it. Friends, we have to receive God's forgiveness. God's forgiveness is the bridge back to right relationship with God. Culture says, hang the perpetrator. He's guilty, life sentence without the possibility of parole. No restitution is possible. And yet God forgives. He forgives the contrite heart. The truly repentant are fully and forever forgiven in Christ. And he does it without compromising his integrity because he paid for it on the cross. And because he forgives, we can forgive. Forgiveness is not about ignoring the pain. Forgiveness is about letting the kingdom of light triumph over the kingdom of darkness. David knew that God was a forgiving God. What about us? What about you? Do you know that? Do you receive the forgiveness of the Lord your God? Let's pray. God, we're so thankful for the opportunity 
to come up under your word, to see that you are a forgiving God, to see that David knew it a thousand years before Christ came. We give you so much thanks and praise. We ask that you would help our hearts to receive your forgiveness and to also extend your forgiveness. Lord, your name is beautiful. You didn't want to be without us. And so you came and made a way. We worship you, Lord Jesus. Amen. Hey, once again, thanks for listening. If you live in the Colorado Springs area, we would love to meet you on a Sunday morning. To plan your visit, head to our website at firstprezcos.org. That's F-I-R-S-T-P-R-E-S-C-O-S dot org.